Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're in the doghouse, and we're here to talk Mississippi State sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Yes, it's a working weekend edition of the doghouse. I'm your host, David Murray, and I'm busy because Mississippi State sports is busy. So much going on in Bulldog country, whether it's football, Zach Garnett wrapping up his staff, taking a very quick weekend break, but like I said, very quick is the emphasis there. Of course, basketball hitting the crunch time. Yes, February has barely begun, but it's already crunch time for Coach Chris Jan's team. And two weeks from as we record this, action on Duty Knoll Field. Game two of this 2023 season against Virginia Military will be underway. Wow. Where does the winter break go? Well, realistically, as you know, there ain't no such thing anymore as winter break. Certainly there was not for Zach Arnett, and we had a chance to talk with him on Monday. You've uh, certainly listened to that podcast. If not, we'll try to link the audio only from our uh, maybe 20 of the 25, 26 minutes we had with uh, the coach in his office to put here that you can follow up and um, back it up by also listening to the interviews that Arnett and the full coaching staff did on Wednesday after completing the second round of winter signings. You know, talking with Arnett about how busy things have been, he he wanted to give the staff this weekend off. That's why no interviews were available starting Thursday through, I'd say, Sunday. But, you know, Monday everybody's back in the office and going at it because spring football starts March 7th. Yep. When they show up back in the office, it is barely a month before the Bulldogs hit the practice field. And, of course, they're already busy. Coach Tyson Brown is uh, taking good care of them in the strength and winter conditioning program as they get ready for spring ball. But the main news in football, of course, has been the coaching staff. Uh, Mississippi State all wrapped up the field positions a week ago. And now they finished some other additions to the support staff. Now, realistically, when I say support staff, I mean recruiting. Because when you have a chief of staff, Brad Peterson, you add a high school relations experts, player development experts, all those, they're there to recruit. Yes, there'll be offensive and defensive quality control people. We'll be talking to some of them during spring ball is made available. But just going over yesterday's big news, the addition of Steve Campbell and Joey Jones. Well, I say addition, you're bringing them both back. Of course, Campbell was line coach for Jackie Sherrill back in the day. Joey Jones had a couple of years here coaching with... Uh, Dan Mullen and Joe Moorhead on special teams. Now he's coming back to campus in a support role. You look at that. You know, I commented in one of the more recent doghouses about the impact of the staff and their background. I think I added up whether coaching or playing, including at Mississippi State, there was over a century of combined SEC experience already. Now you plug in Campbell and Jones, two old dogs in this league, this part of the country, whether junior college, senior college, you name it. It's amazing how much attention that Zach Arnett has paid to getting people here and not just getting people to get people. He has brought guys who know this region because they played here. They've coached here. They recruited here. 
and now they can provide valuable assistance to a staff which is already heavy loaded with good recruiters. I mean, bringing back Tony Hughes, who we had the pleasure of talking with and providing a feature on this past week, you, you add him in there. Of course, you brought back Greg Knox in a support role already, too, and then David Turner on staff. Those three dogs alone, that's over 60 seasons of SEC coaching experience, and most of it at Mississippi State combined, in fact. Now, you plug in Will Friend, you bring back Chad Bumpus, and now Steve Campbell, Joey Jones, never mind some recognized assistants like Jason Washington, who've been here three years with um, Mike Leach, now staying on staff, Matt Brock doing the same, and others. You've got a recruiting staff, which, all right, I never predict you're going to, quote, dominate Mississippi, but you have got a staff in place that is really going to make its points here in Mississippi and the surrounding regions. As Zach Arnett mentioned, the 250-mile to 300-mile footprint, so to speak, these guys can do it. Speaking of footprint, let's get to our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season, whatever the season. Everything from the National Football League here at Super Bowl time. By the way, congratulations to the four Bulldog alumni playing in the big game next weekend. The NBA, of course, hitting midseason schedule. And you swerve on into golf, tennis, even esports. I wonder if they had a line on the recent uh, 24 hours of Daytona. Hey, I drive a Honda, so I was proud to hear Acura won it. Okay. Verging off, you'll always get the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost every sport or game imaginable. Head to betonline.ag to join up and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, that's all caps, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, Mississippi State has started the game as far as making a footprint statement here in Mississippi and the southeast region as noted. And, of course, the southeast region will increasingly include Texas and Oklahoma. A little bit of news, so to speak, out of ESPN over the week about they will probably not be joining the SEC in 2024. Now, don't take that as final. I put a post on the board today, in fact, saying that it's not settled. The Big 12 has not even put a schedule together for 2023. You're in February. You don't have your conference schedule set. That's how up in the air things are in that conference as they figure out when are Texas and Oklahoma leaving, how many more years do we fit them in, and who do they get to play to make the most money off of, and is it really worth keeping them around? Well, certainly by 2025 they'll be in with the college football playoff expanding. I expect now with this news, or kind of sort of news out of ESPN, for the SEC to start making some clear statements about 2024 and beyond. Now, keep in mind, the current SEC rotation runs through 2024. So it'd be neat and clean for the league to go ahead and have that season without Texas and Oklahoma, finish this up rotation, which began in 2014, and then start moving on into 2025. And with the new schedule, whether it be eight or nine, I'm pretty sure it's going to be nine. Do you keep the Power Five mandate game? It seems to be 50-50 split in the league right now. I don't know what Texas and Oklahoma's input would be, whether they have a say in it yet. But of the 14 current schools, every indication we have is there's a split on keeping the Power Five mandate game or doing away with it so you can schedule three non-conference games. Mississippi State very much in favor of that. The SEC, I expect to have some news coming out soon because uh, they don't react to other conferences. They proact. 
So it won't be because they're responding to what the Big 12 is or isn't doing. The SEC is going to make its own course once there's a consensus available from the presidents of the league as well as the athletic directors who do the president's bidding. So a lot going on there. But Mississippi State right now, full focus on 2023. I mentioned so much about the staff and the recruiting impact. And by the way, I've mentioned this before in the doghouse, and I want to keep pounding this point home. A, because it's true, and B, because it's fun. If you think the folk up the road were already starting to panic a little bit about the hires that Zach Arnett has made and the guys he has kept off and on the field, well, bringing Campbell and Jones back into the fold and further expansions expected on the recruiting staff as well as that plays out, well, you're going to see more and more responses from the rival up there who already have tried to make a few desperation slap shots at the program by stealing a player or two or maybe encouraging them to go elsewhere didn't work well dylan johnson did but that was entirely his own deal and that was not any influence from the rival there just expect to see more wasted effort time and energy and resources now there's another word for resources i'll leave that to your imagination if they're doing that as i've said then it's a win-win for Mississippi State because they're unsuccessfully trying to thrash away at Mississippi State's football as it redevelops itself and not investing in their own program. We should thoroughly encourage that. Speaking of investing in the program, well, recruiting. Tuesday wrapped up the latest round of signings. Of course, State added one more Power 5 transfer in um, Ryan Good, the tight end from Georgia. Yes, there's a real tight end on the roster. Can we stop now trying to slot certain receivers into the tight end position? Let's go ahead and go with the guy you've got. And every indication we have, talking to Coach Arnett, and of course quotes from Kevin Barbet, new offensive coordinator, he's going to adapt to the personnel he has. He's not so wedded to a ironclad system as to vice versa it. No, he's going to pick the best players who not just the best overall, but then certainly in rotations at the receiver positions, obviously. Now running back, because you've added a transfer running back as well. You have Joe Marks coming back, Simeon Price, who I am just a big fan of. So he's going to fit the best 11 out there at any one point, any one situation, and that will include, as we thoroughly expect, the addition of Mike Wright at quarterback. Now you have a package-type quarterback to spell with Will Rogers, who, by every indication so far, they're counting on to be the guy. Spring ball will have a lot to do with that, but anyone who automatically is thinking that the quarterback position is technically open, well, they may say so in spring. Mike Leach always said so, but we knew the truth that Will Rogers was the guy. He's got every chance now to be the guy one more time, and then you mix in right as a package because he's much more of a runner than a thrower. He did throw for some touchdowns at Vanderbilt, but his record shows he is much faster afoot. Well, if I'm seeing shades of the 2012 and parts of 2013 season when Mississippi State used the package of Tyler Russell and Dak Prescott to good effect, hey, bring it on because that's the kind of mix you need to make all your guys' weapons And parenthetically, let me also say, I kind of expect Will Rogers to do a little more running this fall as well. Maybe not so much called plays, but it's going to be in there. Not because he's a great runner by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not nearly as bad as people think he is. It's more a fact that he was never intending to run the past three years because, A, there was nobody available behind him to use if he took a hard hit on the run plays, and, B, you're looking to throw up to the last possible 
microsecond, which means you're not in a running position in the first place. I do expect that to adjust certainly during spring ball and well on into the season. But the addition of Mike Wright also priceless to Chris Parson because now it allows the young man to fully recover from his high school injury and then just develop his own pace and not be forced into action. Then again, as we know, the number two and especially the number three quarterback is always the best player in the team. Write it down. Anyway, Wright is a valuable addition, of course, good at the tight end position. My guy that I'm most interested in, ironically, is the one who is not a Power 5 transfer out of the 10. And I do say 10 because I'm including Tulu Griffin and Xavier Thomas in that tally. Well, why not? A, it makes the stats look better, which by my count means in the last uh, three or four years of transfer portal recruiting, Mississippi State has 22 of the 31 have come across from FBS level, Power 5 teams, not just FBS, but Power 5, as I said. And on top of that, half of them have been SEC or more. And this year, by the way, it's four out of the, let's see, four out of the seven, but then it would be six out of the nine with Griffin and Thomas. Stay with me on this, okay? The point being, Mississippi State is not just grabbing guys to grab guys, but ironically, again, the kid from FCS level Eastern Washington, Freddie Roberson, he may be the biggest impact of the bunch, certainly on the offensive side. Nicholas Barmira as a place kicker feels an absolutely urgent need there, so I guess we're going to judge by impact. You'd think he'd be the lead dog in that account. But you like these last couple of additions. But a piece that I'm going to have coming out, I believe on Monday, I've scheduled it for, I don't want this overlooked that Zach Arnett and Mississippi State continue to recruit Mississippi junior colleges and junior colleges in general. You know, in this era of the transfer portal, the JUCO recruiting has kind of taken a back seat because it's so much easier to focus on guys with senior college reps and reputation. Well, Mississippi State is certainly going that direction. Just look at the numbers and you can see. I think now they have something like 90, 91, 92, depending on how you count scholarship guys. It'll have to be down to 85 officially practicing in spring. But as as Rick Stansbury used to say, these things do tend to work themselves out. Now, you add in these guys I mentioned from the portal, but that doesn't exclude JUCO recruiting. State picked up four in this past winter. And while primarily you look at them and think, yeah, that's mostly going to be for depth purposes, well, it's priceless depth. Offensive tackle, running back, another wide receiver, and that may not be depth. He may be a plug-and-play, Jacoby Belazar, and another defensive lineman, which you certainly need some depth that end-slash-tackle position as well. So don't forget the JUCO recruiting. It, it will never again be what it was 30 years ago, certainly not even 20 years ago. Because the nature of JUCO recruiting has changed. Guys are getting eligible out of high school and not having to go to the junior college route. But boy, has JUCO recruiting made a difference for Mississippi State. Parenthetically, I also wonder in that story, you remember State's greatest JUCO halls in recent years, the fabulous year when you bring in Montez Sweat and John Abram. Yes, those are junior college signees and transfers. But one wonders, had the transfer portal been wide open in 2017-18 as it is now, would they have ever gone the JUCO route in the first place? Or would they have found NIL opportunities at other Power 5 programs instead of the ones they were at? Moot point now, but just something worth wondering. Point remains, Mississippi State will still go to the JUCOs and still get valuable players out of it. 
And by picking up four, well, the previous two years, they only had five total, uh, one who didn't even show up. So you can see that Arnett and staff, and as reminded too, when you bring in guys, well, Steve Campbell, quite obviously, who coached for many years at Gulf Coast Community College. You have Joey Jones, who's recruited down there. And, of course, Mississippi State staffers like Tony Hughes and others who recruited the JUCOs over the years as well. So they're going to be selective in their JUCO recruiting, but they're still going to recruit the JUCOs because Mississippi State needs that personnel for immediate help, immediate depth, and occasionally immediate playing because there are still going to be guys from senior colleges who, rather than transfer downs to a G5, are going to say, nope, I'm going to take my chance on a JUCO year and then see if I can plug that in and get a better NIL deal or just make myself available to a place where there's more playing time. That, that's, I think playing time eventually will start evening the NIL landscape right now. It's all how much cash can you put in my money pocket this first year. But sooner or later, guys are going to think, if I'm going to make the real money, i.e. in professional football, even have a shot at it, you're going to have to play some ball. And you're going to have to play some ball for a recognized program. So I'm really expecting that to sort of even it out more with playing time. And because of that, Mississippi State will have to target its recruiting. Not just in the transfer portal, but JUCO as well. You can't go out and wholesale, just pick up numbers. You're going to have to target, and the NIL will complicate that as well. But I think this is a coaching staff that Arnett has assembled that knows about targeting. No, not the defensive player call, but uh, brings back memories of John Abram. Anyway, they know about targeting recruiting for their own programs, and now because several of them coached State before, they certainly recruited against Mississippi State and played Mississippi State in years past. They know the kind of recruiting State can and should do with the transfer portal, whether the junior college ranks, and ultimately, most of all, in the high school ranks. And every addition that Arnett has made to the staff is only going to reinforce Mississippi State's position. I mentioned how the rivals are already reacting to that. It's been kind of amusing in talking with a couple of state staffers recently as well about you notice that the rivals are all of a sudden posting all sorts of social media shots, uh, being in the parking lots or the front doors of high schools, which, okay, maybe I'm over-exaggerating just a bit. But one wonders if said coaches posing there even know where they're at or if they're saying, kind of like politicians, uh, talking to their PR director, hey, where am I? Okay, I'll say that name today. Hi, I'm. you get the idea I'm leading at. It's kind of forced from that angle. Here, it's the real thing. And here, it's the core of Mississippi State's approach to building, rebuilding, and continuing to build up the Bulldog football roster. As mentioned, spring ball will start on March 7th. From what we understand, they will get two practices in that week, then Bulldog spring break. It's always fascinating how semester breaks complicate these things. Do you wait till after? Or do you want to get a couple done before so you're not forcing the pace because graduation increasingly comes early? Ta-da, ta-da. Well, they're going to go two practices, take a break for spring, and come back. And as we understand, practice on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday of every ensuing week right up to and through the Super Bulldog weekend spring game. And whereas last year's spring game, A, it didn't happen because of weather, but B, it was going to be pretty much a waste anyway from what we understood, I'm going to be fascinated to see how Arnett approaches this. Does he use it to make a show of what the program looks like, or does he use it to as basically another glorified scrimmage 
And let's be blunt. You learn a whole lot more about your team scrimmaging than you do playing a split roster type spring game. But then again, there's going to be the entertainment angle because A, you've got a new coach, new program, new enthusiasm, and especially a staff that's inspiring that along with the recruiting. You want to use that spring game to bring in prospects as well to start sealing them up before they start making all their summer camp trips. And frankly, you just want to get some enthusiasm going for season ticket sales. And with an eight-game season ticket this year, which is pretty pricey, we ran a story on that this past week, how it broke down by not just the sections, but also by the donation level required to get those full slates. Well, we'll be following up with the ticket office probably sometime in early March, around the time spring football starts, in fact, because let's give all you fans a whole solid month or so more to start making your investments in season tickets advice. Do it now. Do it quickly. And then we'll start getting some ideas about will there be mini package plans. Um, we already have the dates for general admission sales, but I wouldn't count too heavily on picking up some of the good games. If all the enthusiasm you're seeing now translates into season ticket sales, your chances of picking up a ticket for the Egg Bowl, for the LSU game, and a few others here on campus out of that eight slot, you're not going to get the ducats you want unless you're willing to pay through the nose in the secondary market down the road. Just a friendly warning in that regard. So spring football, it's approaching. The staff is put together. That staff is taking a quick little break, and they get back to work. We're going to try to set up an interview with Tyson Brown, but then again, we've done the same thing for three-plus years now, and under Mike Leach's management, he just preferred not to talk to media. I can accept that. I can even respect that because, you know, it's inevitable when you talk to strength coaches that by the questions you ask, you almost force them to sound like they think they reinvented the art of getting guys bigger, stronger, faster. Tyson Brown is one of the most self-effacing strength coaches I've ever seen at Mississippi State, and that's generally a good thing, especially when you're producing the results in your personnel. But we will keep trying, and maybe now under new management, they'll see the PR advantages in getting the strength coach out talking to media, i.e. talking to you fans that way. Hey, they know where to find me. <laughs> so, all right, let's turn quickly to basketball. Tonight, game of the Missouri. You hate to call any game this early in February a must-win, but this is a must-win for Mississippi State. Bulldogs are 14-8. and eight. They have a pair of conference victories, you know, I really thought by now they would be a four-win team. I thought they would beat Georgia and Florida. Well, they didn't. And that loss to number 117, that's in the net rankings, Georgia, is going to sting a long time. You expected the Bulldogs to struggle against the better teams. And then the schedule was so front-loaded for Chris Jan's bunch, you just knew they were going to probably be 0-5 with the five games against Tennessee, Alabama, and Auburn. Well, indeed they are. And by the way, all three of those teams are top 30 in the net right now. But the disappointment of losing to Georgia, and probably just as much to Florida, even though they're more respectable in the net, well, it's showing up. However, Mississippi State is still number 49 in the net ranking, so they are in the NCAA picture as far as that goes. They are not as far as SEC record goes, but that's why they have to start piling up wins starting tonight, 5 o'clock Central Time, against number 45 net Missouri. You know, that's one of the glories of having all this information available, uh, net and RPI, strength of schedule, because we don't have to rely on archaic things like top 25 rankings anymore. Well, State's 2-4 and four at home, though, in the SEC play, so they've got to start defending the home court. And I will say this, you fans who have made it to the hump in these games, you've given them every chance. 
and the team appreciates it. I've talked to players about it. The coach certainly appreciates it. But they know they have to start delivering and reinforcing what you fans are coming to see, not just with effort. Well, that's always going to be there. Not just with playing hard and trying to make things happen. It's time to see some execution, performance, and more wins there. And they know it. By the way, Mississippi State is 10-0 and against the quads 3-4. and But they have the losing record in quad one right now. I think it's, what, 2-5? and five? Well, here's Missouri, which is kind of hedging in that area. You win that, and you start boosting your case. But now look at the schedule ahead. Number 137, quad LSU. I'm sorry, net LSU. That's your next game. That's an absolute must win. You lose that one. You lose to Missouri and LSU. You can just about go ahead and write off any postseason, i.e. NCAA tournament. But you win these two, and now you're on track. Then you've got number 27, Arkansas, who, with that glorious net they have, yet have a losing streak uh, before this week. So they're certainly vulnerable. Number 31, Kentucky. Well, they've certainly shown they're vulnerable. They're playing much better lately. But if you can control their post game, uh, much easier said than done, you've got a chance there. Return trip to number 120, net Ole Miss. And that's a program which is now basically waving the white flag. Players already opting out on the remainder of the season, whether for health or just maybe more emotional health reasons. Kermit Davis, nice guy, good MSU alumnus, good family, but uh, probably on his way out after this season now. You have a return match with number 45, Missouri, on the road. You've got number 48, Texas A&M, number 283, South Carolina. How can an SEC basketball program be 283, verging close to 300? Boy, the game talks are struggling. Now, State got a good win Tuesday night at South Carolina. They didn't play great, but they played well enough to win, which is exactly what you want to do against a bad team like that. State has tended to play some really good ball against the really good teams. Now, if they would play that kind of ball against the lesser teams, the teams that they should beat, then you're probably back on an NCAA tournament track. That front-loaded schedule, as we mentioned, did not do Chris Jans any favors at all, but here's your chance to make up ground. And as best we can tell, talking to players, watching the coaches, seeing how they perform, they haven't let that get to them. That may, in fact, be the coaching job of the year for Jans to keep this bunch together. But tonight and the LSU game, that's the truest test. If they, the Bulldogs, come out, and play with the same effort, energy, and upgrade their execution against two very vulnerable teams, especially LSU, you've got a chance. And right now, that's all you're asking for is a chance to get it done and to sneak into the NCAA tournament at the end. It's an uphill road, but it remains doable. And the fact that you can say that about a team that's 14-8 and with just two SEC wins is really a credit, A, to the schedule they played preseason. There's some legitimate wins in there. And the fact that the SEC is really a two-tier league right now. Uh, the RPI, NIT numbers, NET numbers, still learning the new language. As I mentioned, when you have some teams in the 100s in the net, then it shows you you've got a two-tier league. Well, Mississippi State, despite the record, on basis on net, is definitely in that top tier. They've just got to win the games to reinforce that position and make their shot. Just make their case, do what you can, and you'll consider this first season under Jans a success, then go recruit. Go bring in the roster that's able to take advantage of these games in the future. Now, we mentioned two weeks from now, they're playing baseball. 
I have not followed it as nearly as close as I should because obviously been tied up with the football staff news, other recruiting, and of course getting basketball underway. But now we can start turning our attention to the Diamond Dogs. Fortunately, our staff team of Mike Nemeth, Robbie Falk, and Steve Robertson have been able to talk to players, uh, track it. Mike has given you regular reports on the scrimmages and practices. Thank you to Chris Lamonis for opening that up for observation and reporting as well. So you'll have a better idea. I know this. If you're going to base your preseason expectations about a team purely off social media, uh, these guys are going to be beating the ball out of the yard. Just, yes, home runs are always going to catch all the attention on social media, especially among folk who come to it. You know, I was talking to the new PR director for the baseball team. Uh, Good guy. He knows a little bit about the game. And it's always good to have somebody in that position who cares about baseball because that's not always true at a lot of places. Mississippi State, oh, it's absolutely true. Or is the, nah, I'm not going to go quoting for Blazing Saddles. Anyway, he made the comment, this was his first scrimmages he'd watched here as he's new to the system. He only hired Mississippi State this past winter. And he was dumbfounded to see how many hundred people showed up to watch a baseball scrimmage in less than ideal weather. And I just laughed and said, guy, That's what you have walked into. This is a place that cares about this sport beyond all meaning and measure. So get ready to see more of that. And these people are ready to be rewarded. And he also thought that the fact that State struggled so much in this past season, maybe it would have cut into some enthusiasm. No. Bulldog baseball is permanent. It's forever. It always springs anew, much like the grass on Duty Noble Field which, by the way, looked great last week when we were doing player and coach interviews, uh, even though they did put a little bit of um, green stuff on it to make it look a little greener for the views. No, it's still in good shape. We do good grass for baseball here. So it's just a fact. It's just a reminder that Mississippi State baseball always matters, and now they want to see these guys. Do they translate the slugging of here scrimmages? What does it say about the pitching? Ah, always. Does it mean states can't pitch? Does it mean they're not throwing strikes? Or does it mean they're throwing fat strikes that don't move and can be slugged out? Or is this offense really real? Is this a roster that's going to address some of the issues of last year and come through with clutch hitting and build some leads that the pitching staff can hold? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, that's the glory and the, the grind of baseball. You don't know until they actually start playing games. And even when they start playing games, you don't really know because baseball is such a long sports season. But you like to hear the good words coming out of it. You talk to the players. You see the enthusiasms that they have to get it going. The fact that they've been able to put 2022 behind them almost entirely. Not in, not entirely, but almost entirely. I say that because they're using it, yes, as an inspiration, as in we don't want that to happen again. But they also don't want to drag and drag it back into like a dark cloud over them. They want to start fresh. And in so many ways, this will be a fresh start team you know, the one criticism you could have of Lamonis, and it's an honest one, is the fact that, and Steve Robertson and I have discussed this, that he wanted to reward so many of the guys on the 21 national championship team who re- were returning, the healthy ones, of course, when you lose players so early, especially your, your top pitchers, well, that's going to cripple it anyway. But then they hadn't brought in some new talent to push people or to maybe challenge, even take over jobs when the veterans struggled, that's not going to be an issue this year. Uh, they've got Now they've got the leadership in place with Luke Hancock, and now he's back at catcher, which will be his full-time position. 
instead of having to play at first base and DH. Of course, I'm sure he'll DH some because you want to develop a young catcher as well and Ross Highfield and others. But you see more people fitting into places. Again, it's going to come down to the offense and the pitching. And can you throw strikes? And you throw strikes that don't get hit. But when you've got some slugging, that's always a good place to start because you'd rather have that threat hanging over, especially in non-conference play when teams come to Duneo Field and talk about a front schedule, the VMI series, uh, Louisiana Monroe. Then you have Arizona State in the second weekend, go play Southern Miss at Pearl. You've got a chance to make some noise here in front of friendly fans to get this season off to a strong start. Well, we'll be talking more about baseball as we get closer to it. Um, but again, I thoroughly recommend you follow Mike Nemeth's scrimmage practice reports, uh, schedules, the uh, statistics he's able to provide. And we don't do radar readings on the pitching anymore. Uh, of course, that's up on the board. But we have been discouraged from doing that because it can be misleading. Well, you can judge for yourself whether that really matters or not. I think more what matters is are they throwing strikes? Maybe not even so much getting strikeouts, but are they throwing strikes and getting ground ball outs? If they're doing that, then I'm feeling better about the pitching staff already to start. Whereas last year, it's either a strikeout or a base hit or a home run given up. I want to see more ground balls produced. I want to see the defense make the plays in those ground balls. I just want to see it get back to the kind of baseball that got the 21 season started. And then all the big fun stuff start developing in conjunction with it. We'll see how Lamonis and staff go. Of course, intact staff for yet another year. And thank you, NCAA, for finally doing right by baseball and adding that fourth full-time position to the staff. So now you, you're, you're assured of a regular paycheck if you're the number four guy, which is certainly a good thing as well. Like I said, a working weekend here at the Doghouse, but it's the kind of work we enjoy doing. We'll be tuned in tonight watching the basketball Bulldogs as they play their must-win game with Missouri. As such news as comes out more, uh, we'll, we'll have more pieces evaluating further the final results of spring recruiting. Uh, I want to, I printed something a week ago, but I want to come back with it and update it as far as the SEC and Power 5 recruiting through the transfer portal. Like I said, there'll be the junior college recruiting piece coming out sometime Monday morning. At least that's when it got booked in the schedule. And then we just roar right on into baseball. Working weekend? Yeah, that's what we do. Because we're here in the doghouse, as are you. You want to talk Mississippi State sports? We talk Bulldog sports. Thank you for tuning in on this weekend edition. Thank you to our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcast. How about it? We always appreciate the reinforcement there. And maybe as the season goes on, we can start adding some more uh, side help. I'm going to try to plug in the interview with uh, Zach Garnett from this past Monday because so much of it still applies. Go to Gene's page 24-7 also to find uh, Mike Nema's transcripts as well as feature stories that I and others have written on the interviews with the assistant staff as well. A lot of exciting things happening there in Bulldog football, a lot of tension Bulldog basketball, and just the fun of watching the sunshine the grass grow, and Diamond Dog Baseball is back in our forecast. That's it for this weekend's edition of the Doghouse. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host, David Murray. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. 
With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.